Today, I want to point us to a moment when Jesus was prepping his followers to go out into the world and ultimately into different cities and communities to really discern if people are interested. He, uh, we find it in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 12. And uh, it's a great moment or scene in Jesus' life and ministry when he's not only dealing with his most intimate disciples, the twelve, but he's dealing with other followers of his. There was other followers besides the twelve that were tracking with Jesus, listening to Jesus, following Jesus, uh, interested in what he was saying. And I, wanna, I want us to just read this together. You can follow on the screen, or if you've got your Bibles, follow with me. Luke chapter 10 says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. After this moment was just, just before this, Jesus huddles with some of his disciples and lets them know the cost of what it means to follow him. If you read just before the end of Luke 9, Jesus lays out the cost of what it means to follow him. That, that if you want to follow him, that's awesome. But then there's a choice, a decision. And in this, then just after this, he, he, he appoints, Jesus appoints 72 or 70 people, uh, depending how the version of your Bible says that, to go out into the world, to go out into different communities. Um, and, and he sends them out two by two. It's an interesting scene because it's not just the 12. Sometimes they're like, Jesus only calls the 12 to do stuff. But he's calling this 70 other people. And often he also invites a call to everyone who follows him or listens to him. And in this moment, Jesus is appointing these people for a specific task to go ahead of him into other villages that he's going to eventually go by. So he's basically saying, hey, you guys, you go to this town, you go to this. It's like if we all gathered together today and we said, hey, there's going to be a team of us that are going to go into certain towns. But for now, we're going to split you guys up. You go to Rigaud, you go to Vaudreuil, you go down to the East End. Some of you cross the border into Ontario and go to Cornwall. And uh, some of you can, you know, go into Laval or to the... And then, you know, you go ahead of us and then we're going to come in at some point later on and just continue to talk with these people that you've met and discussed uh, faith with. It's an amazing moment in this. And I, I, we don't know if Jesus was, how much Jesus prepped these 70 people. I, I think he probably did. I think he probably spent time with them and had conversations with them and, and helped them to know what would come or what they need to be doing or how they can be prepared. We don't know if it was days or weeks, but we do know that Jesus sent them out two by two. So there was, uh, you know, friendship, accountability, encouragement as they went out unto this mission. So he sends them out into these towns. Here's verse 2. He told them this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's not a great pep talk. And then, don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Just depend on whatever happens. And do not greet anyone on the road. I guess on the road there. Just get there. Just, just go. <laughs> get there. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. 
Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a house and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as we are warning you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come to you. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. God, help us to just grasp a piece of this today. We welcome you to speak to us and intersect with our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I I love this this scene, and uh, there's so much we can say from this scene, and you probably will leave today and say, Dave, you didn't say this, and you didn't say this, and you should have said this, but there's just... Two kind of themes that, that jump out at me so much. And one of them is just asking the question, what is the mission of Jesus? What is the message of Jesus? How is Jesus encouraging these 70 to go out? And what is he telling them to do? If it was modern day evangelism, we'd say, make sure that people know, um, you know about their sin and uh, how they can be saved from their sin and who can save them from their sin, that Jesus died from their sin. That's all important. Jesus offers us forgiveness and he offers the world forgiveness when we come to him. But consider what Jesus equipped these disciples to do. And you get to part of the heart of the message of the gospel that I believe the whole world needs to hear. And especially in our day and age. And the word Jesus uses is peace. He tells these people, when you go out and you, you, you enter someone's home or you meet someone for the first time, the first thing you tell them The first thing you should tell them, your first message is peace to this house. I love that. When you first enter a house, first say peace to this house. If, if when I was growing up, if we'd go to like an evangelism class or we were going to hang out with people and they were going to help us share the gospel, they would say, when you speak to someone, the first thing you must ask them is, do you know where you're going to go when you're going to die? You know? <clears throat> or they, you know, something like that. And again, that's, the scripture speaks about that. And so does Jesus. Very important. The first thing Jesus says, when you enter a house, your first words should be peace to this house. It's like a filter catchphrase almost, almost, almost a code to discern, are these people ready for God's message? Do these people want what God wants? And later Jesus speaks about harvesting, and I I get this sense he's almost harvesting for peace. Not that he's trying to build peace or gain peace or grow peace, but harvesting in a sense, who will respond to God's message? See, if you think about what was going on in that first century, the Jews at the time, they were wanting to go against Rome. They wanted to rebel against Rome, their oppressors. And their belief is that the Messiah that God would bring would lead the rebellion, would lead the opposition, would lead the army to topple and take care of Rome. Jesus wasn't leading that kind of rebellion. He was bringing God's kingdom. And he says it twice, God's kingdom, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom was categorically different than the world that they lived in. The kingdom was different than the posture they had towards Rome. The kingdom was different than the Pax Romana of the time. The kingdom had hands and feet and a tangible ethos, and it was a kingdom of peace. It brought warning to, 
But it was a kingdom of peace. That was the first thing Jesus tells them to say. See, Jesus represented God's kingdom and God's purposes and God's way of doing things. And when he sends the 70 out, he's, he's telling them, you're representatives of my kingdom. And when you interact with someone, make sure the first thing you tell them is peace to this house. And I think we've done some messages on this and I've encouraged people to consider discovering what we call people of peace in their neighborhoods or networks. Are they responsive to the gospel? But at the heart of this in the first century, it's even bigger than that. Because when you think of even Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that in your space, in your neighborhood, in your environment, God's kingdom would come and be evident here. Because God's kingdom is different than than the system of the world. God's kingdom is different than the system even of your neighborhood. God's kingdom is different than the system of world powers. John the Baptist came initially calling people to repentance, and Jesus came healing and preaching, and ultimately they were asking the question, will you join what God is doing or just keep going your own way? Will you join what God's doing or will you just keep doing your own thing? And I think about this core message of peace to this house. In other words, if we get really down and dirty to what they were thinking at the time, to what these people in these common villages, these, these Jewish people in these common villages who their hope for the Messiah would totally clear away Rome, I wonder what they were thinking. God's kingdom, God's way. God, are you going to come just take care of this for us? And I have a sense when they, were, when they heard the word peace, some of the questions that were going through their mind is, maybe they understood what they were getting asked. How do you want to deal with Rome? Your way or God's way? How do you want to deal with opposition in your life? Your way or God's way? How do you want to deal with the world? How do you want to deal with the obstacles in your life? You want to deal with God's way or your way? Do you want to be part of what God is doing to restore humanity? Or do you want to take that on yourself and just fight back. Peace to this house. In other words, are you for peace or not? And Jesus says, when they welcome you, stick around. When they welcome you, stick around, stay. Enjoy time with them and tell them about God's kingdom. But interestingly enough, Jesus says, when they reject you, that's okay. Just say, hey, I'm going to wipe the sandals off my feet. I'm going to go to the next house or the next town. But let me still tell you about God's kingdom because God's kingdom is so different than the trajectory you're going in. So Jesus says, whether they embrace you or they reject you, because one or two things are going to happen, still let them know about God's kingdom. Still let them know this primary message that I'm bringing, that the kingdom of God is near. And you can read warnings if you keep going. Verse 12 talks about how difficult it, could, it, it might be for those who reject. Verses 13 to 15, he specifically mentions certain towns, Chorazin and Bethsaida and Tyre and other towns. And he's basically saying, if you keep walking this way, Chorazin, to this town, or if you keep walking this way, you're going to hit disaster. You're going to hit disaster. The, 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 the result of you rejecting God's kingdom and the peace of God's kingdom is, is not even something God's going to do to you. It's what you're going to find down the road is if you want to keep beating up against culture that way, if you want to keep fighting culture that way, if you want to keep violently wanting, wanting to take care of Rome, you're going to hit this wall and you're going to be destroyed. 
Like, you want to go that way? You can go that way. That's the warning. That could happen. In fact, 70, in 70 AD, the Jewish temple was completely destroyed by the Romans. Maybe it was a consequence of non-peace. The message of Jesus is we're not leading that kind of rebellion. But don't kid yourself. It's not that it's not rebellious. Jesus was rebellious, but he was rebellious against the violence and sin of the system. And he says, we're not going to topple this system by being violent and evil like they are. We are going to walk. This is God's way. And when I think about peace, Jesus would deal with evil by dying under its rule. How paradoxical. And then rise the next day and defeat death. When I think about peace on my street, in our world, in me, and this week was such a difficult week to watch the news. The world leaders taunting each other with weapons and nuclear power. Just over the weekend, uh, horrible demonstrations where pe- down south of the border where people are just are asking themselves, is it possible that this stuff hasn't been taken care of yet, that we're, we still live with this kind of racism or discrimination or hatred or evil. And, and you watch some of the, what's going on and some of the bloodshed and hatred, and you're saying, it just makes you question the premise of the modern world. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fix things, world. <laughs> we're going to make it better. Just watch us. Our elite and education and money and power and, and strength, we're going to fix everything. And then it, it props up again through the cracks. And then you see it break out with two or 3,000 people. And you say, imagine that was twenty or 30,000 people. Imagine that was two hundred or 300,000 people. And some of you that have come from places in the world, you've already lived that. You know exactly what that feels like. So Jesus, imagine Jesus gives all of us that message. Hey, peace to this house. You say, no, thank you, Jesus. I'll go my way. And Jesus says, be careful, because when you keep going your trajectory, there's disaster down the road. I was walking in my neighborhood this week. One of my neighbors uh, had a difficult time with another neighbor. And I kind of had a confrontation, not a bad one, but with the neighbor who had a problem with the other neighbor. And uh, they, were, they were kind of doing something to get back to the other neighbor. And I, I kind of walked into it, and, and I made them feel really embarrassed because they were like, oh, Dave knows what I'm doing <laughs> to make the other neighbor. And I, I didn't judge them. I, I went over out of concern because I saw something, and I thought, is everything okay? And, and then they started to tell me the story, and I realized that they were kind of doing something on purpose to their neighbor because their neighbor keeps doing something to them. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. So, but they, they just they felt... I don't even want to talk about them by name or even on, my, on the podcast because who knows if they're from listen because I love them. They're great people. But this happened and I realized, man, there's still no peace in my neighborhood, you know? And, Ju- and Julie and I were, were walking down the street, I think it was that evening, and we were t- taking a walk around our block and as, I, as we turned the corner and walking on one street across the park, I could see the neighbors who my neighbors were upset at. And so we're walking and I just start praying out loud 
uh, no one was beside us. I just started praying out loud. And, and even if they were, but I started praying out loud and I just like, you know, God, I just pray for blessing on that house. And I just pray you bring reconciliation there. And I heard some of the things that maybe they're struggling with. So I'm like, Lord, would you just bring, bring peace in their relationships and bring joy where they, where they feel they lack. And, and Lord, when, there, when there's a struggle, Lord, I just pray for insight and perspective among each other and among neighbors. And Julia's like, Dad, what are you doing? Why are you like, and I'm like, Julia, this is awesome. We need to pray for people. We need to pray more than just for people's salvation. We need to pray for, for their lives. Because as we pray for them, we, we believe that they will long for the Prince of Peace, Jesus. So it just reminded me, like, I, I need to pray for so many, for like everything on my street. And uh, I think Julia caught on. You can ask her later. But it, it, it was just a reminder, Jesus has sent me into my neighborhood, like he sends those 70 out and says, Offer, make, like, let people know about the kingdom of peace, to prepare the ground for him to come in, to prepare the ground for Jesus to come in, whether verbally, through conversation, whether people are seeking him and Jesus wants to just meet them in a beautiful, supernatural way, but to prepare the ground for him to come in. Why? Because my neighbors need peace and, my, and our world needs peace. Justin Mart- Martyr from the second century, he's, he says these words and you can read them off the screen. It's such a beautiful shift in what happens when people and communities meet Jesus. He says, we used to value the acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything else. Now we bring what we have into the common fund and share it with anyone who needs it. We used to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country. This is second century. It sounds like yesterday. We used to to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country. Now, because of Christ, we live together with such people and we pray for our enemies. See, when Jesus came announcing peace, he's letting people know this is the way of the kingdom, but if you want to move this way, come and embrace the kingdom. Embrace me. I wrote this phrase, hopefully we, to help us remember, the kind of peace people are looking for socially is rooted in the peace you can only find in Christ spiritually. And people will search for the social peace. People will search to make everything right. But what they're looking for, what they're really longing for, is the kind of peace that can only be found in Jesus. So even though the first words that the, these disciples say to these, to, to these homes is, peace upon this house, really, when they say yes to that, God knows that underneath that yes is a longing for true peace. And God knows that the only source of that true peace is going to come when they embrace God's kingdom and Jesus. And so Jesus sent out peace messengers. (laughs) These 70, he sent out these peace messengers to bear God's kingdom. They were bearing God's kingdom. They were reflectors of God's kingdom. They were, they were, they were holders in a sense to, to let people know what God's kingdom was about. That, that the kingdom of God had come near. That this is what it looks like. And do you want it? And if they wanted it, then they would stay and be with them and talk with them. And later Jesus would come to that town and, and maybe continue the conversation further. further. 
But Jesus says here, go out and be a peace messenger. Go out and declare my kingdom. And I love the the metaphor Jesus uses in verse 2 when he sends them out. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I, I love that. I think Jesus is trying to help these people know, listen, guys, there will be people that are open. There will be people that say yes and welcome you in. The harvest is big. There are people that long, that truly long for the Lord's work. They don't, know, they don't even know it yet. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is full. It's abundant. It's, it's full of opportunity and growth and fruit. And Jesus is really saying, there's people ready to receive it. The towns you walk into, the people you're going to meet, believe it or not, you might not believe it, but there are people that are ready to receive this. Now, maybe they're thinking, Jesus, some of the Pharisees opposed you. Some of the leaders opposed you. We've had some confrontations on our walks. I'm a, I don't know. Maybe we're just going to fully be rejected. Jesus says, listen, sometimes you'll be rejected. Sometimes you'll be accepted. Still preach the kingdom. But the harvest is full. You know, there's so many factors to determine a harvest. And sometimes they surprise you. Catherine, I saw Catherine Stevens here. Is she here? Where, did I see her? Yeah. You know, I don't get it. Here's Catherine. She lives in a condo in Vaudreuil. And on her balcony, she has these tomato plants. How many tomatoes have you counted, Catherine? 200 tomatoes off of Vaudreuil balcony. I live, my backyard's like 1,000 square feet. And I swear I counted eight yesterday in my backyard. And, and, you know, we had to use the eight with the other 30 we bought because we didn't make enough. And I'm thinking, how did Catherine get 200 on her balcony? And to top it all off, I feel like my pride's been hit because I'm Italian. And I have, and I have a backyard. Italians in backyards are supposed to grow stuff. And, I, and yet Catherine, who's not Italian on a balcony, grew exponentially more than me. Anyways, hats off to you. Harvests are a weird thing. You, it's hard to always know unless you, you, know, you really are paying attention. But this idea of harvest is that the fruit is ripe. It's ready to be picked. It's ready to be welcomed. And I want us to just get this in our minds and in our hearts. Even though we look at the world and we might say, this person's not interested. This person's politics would never get them close to wanting Jesus. This person's family life looks too complicated for them to consider the kingdom of God. This person's too smart or too simple or too rich or too poor. And Jesus says, there are people ready to receive my kingdom. Go out and and let people know about my kingdom. And when he uses that metaphor of a harvest, I think he helps us understand that we cannot engage a harvest we don't see. See, those, these 70, they didn't see it. But Jesus says, just look, the harvest is ready. See, we cannot engage a harvest we don't see. And if you and I don't believe in our hearts that there actually is a harvest, people ready to welcome the peace of God, then we won't bother demonstrating the kingdom, preaching the kingdom. We can't engage a harvest we don't see. So Jesus says, no, it's out there. Don't miss it. And another thing, think about it. Never say no. And let's just get this clear one more time. Never say no for somebody else. 
Never say no to God's kingdom for somebody else. Let them say no themselves. Jesus said, go. Some are going to accept you. And if they accept you, preach the kingdom. And if they reject you, let them know in some way that the kingdom is here and ready for them. But keep preaching and demonstrating the kingdom. And even here at the beginning, Jesus helps us understand he's the one who appointed the 70. He's the one who sends them out. And he tells them, ask me, the Lord of the harvest. Ask me, the Lord of the harvest. Because you need, to, you need to talk to me, not me, Jesus. I'm not Jesus, never confuse that. Uh, talk to Jesus, the Lord of the harvest. He is ready and willing to equip you and to send us out. And he specifically says, pray to the Lord of the harvest so, so he will send out more laborers, more workers. Why? Because there's people that actually long for God and they might not even know it yet. And it leads me to say this. The challenge is greater than the resources. When Jesus says, pray, ask the Lord of the harvest, he's telling us the challenge is greater than the resources. So whether the challenge is great and the workers are few or the challenge is great and the funds are few or the challenge is great and the time or the energy is few, Jesus is saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest because he will supply. And can I be honest? Most of the time, we're part of the answer. Most of the time, we're part of the answer. We're part of the answer. When we're, if we're listening and discerning and we ask Jesus and we really care and say, Jesus, please send laborers into this harvest field. Imagine what would happen. Wouldn't it be weird if Jesus said, you live in your neighborhood, I don't know, let's say like you live in Vaudreuil or Laval and you're praying, Lord, send laborers into my neighborhood. You think he's going to send me into your neighborhood? I mean, he might, but I think he's going to send you, right? We're normally the answer to the prayer. Jesus wants to use us. You know, you guys work in workplaces, and, and I can't imagine, if you're praying that for your workplace, you know, if Alex works in one workplace and Simon works in another, and, and, Al, and Simon's praying for his workplace, I don't think God's going to say, Alex, quit your job, go work at Simon's job. No, he's going to say, hey, I've placed you there for a reason. And same thing for Alex or for others. And clarify your message. We want to preach the kingdom. We want to preach salvation. We want people to experience the forgiveness of sins. But I love Jesus' first posture. There's peace available for you. There's peace available for you. The Weavers last week had a block party in, uh, in Dorval. And... Um, a bunch of neighbors came out, and in Weaver style, it was fun. And, uh, and strange, too. I heard Batman showed up, and there was a dunk tank. But they, <clears throat> down the street from them, there's a local mosque. So they went and spoke to the leader of the mosque and said, <clears throat> we're having a party. Your people are welcome to come. And I don't know, 15 or 20 from the local mosque showed up to their block party. And engaged and ate and and it was just it was i thought it was great because what they weren't it was just like the path towards hey we you are people and we love you and we pray for you and you're welcome to sit at our table today i think that's a path towards demonstrating what the kingdom of god is it's a it's 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 a preparation 
And it's part of our mission to engage people with Christ's message and then invite them. So as we, as we come to a close today, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to just um, invite you to just take some time. Why don't you stand with me as we take some time, a moment to pray. And um, let me just challenge you in these two ways. One is personally, personally. We are peace messengers wherever we are. We are people called to reflect the kingdom. And the message of the kingdom is that God loved the world so much he sent his son to come and and literally break into this world to bring the kingdom near so the world could know what God's plan was. So people could get out of their lost state and discover their heavenly father who loves them. And Jesus demonstrated that his ways are not the world's ways. That the kingdom ways are not the world's ways. And so personally, we become peace messengers and peace reflectors wherever we are. That's, Jesus says that's the first message. That's the first step. Of course, there's more to explain the gospel, more to talk about, more to share about Jesus. But personally, we are peace messengers. And then corporately, together, we create environments like Sunday, like Alpha, like Josiane shared, uh, other things that are going on, our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, environments that will help our friends and families discover the kingdom of God in greater ways and respond and, say, and, and come to Jesus and receive him. But these environments are things that we put together, that we plan. And so whether it's Alpha or our fall launch September 10th or uh, you know, serving in kids' ministry or youth or community groups, let's pray. Let's say, Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. Personally, personally, even as we pray today, personally, God, how do you want to use me? Where can I share this message of peace about your kingdom? And um, corporately, Lord, ask God how you want to use me in your church this coming fall. How can we rally together? We can have celebrative environments to share the gospel with. Let's just take a moment and pray right now. And pray Luke 10 too. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in the harvest field. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out. If you have the courage enough, ask God to send laborers into your neighborhood and into your workplace. Ask God to send laborers into our West Side ministry to reflect his kingdom. That's the one prayer in this text. We can depend on Jesus to provide. But be open that he provides through you. Yes, Jesus. Express your own heart, your prayer, your to the Lord right now.
Oh God, Lord of the harvest, Lord of this world, Lord of our lives, and Lord and sovereign over the potential that we sometimes don't see in our neighborhoods and networks and families, friendships, even in our own church, Lord. God, we ask that you would help us to see the harvest. Help us to see the people in our neighborhoods and workplaces and families that maybe we have already said no for. Help us to see them. We can't engage a harvest we don't see. So Lord, we ask you for the eyes we need and the compassion and discernment we need to see what you see. May we not be blind to what you see, Lord, because we long to partner with what you're doing. Lord, give us, lead us to pray for our work, to pray for our teams, to pray for our bosses, to pray for our families, to pray for our neighbors, to pray for our friends. God, may we be people that declare peace, the peace of your kingdom. May we be people who live out the ways of the kingdom that are contrary to the ways of this world. And even if we're the only one on our street or the only one in our family or the only one in our workplace or the only one in our circle of friends that would have the ways of your kingdom at heart, Lord, even if it contradicts with the ideologies that keep screaming at us, with the, the, the news that keeps screaming at us, Lord, with the influence that does, God, may we see, give us the eyes to see the beauty and power and glory and joy and eternal significance of your kingdom versus what we see all around us. May that lead to confidence and joy as we share that with others. God, we pray for our church as we lead into this fall season very soon that you would send laborers, laborers into our fall launch, laborers into our kids and youth ministry, into Alpha, into our community groups, and each and every one of us, Lord, into our neighborhoods to be on mission together. God, we pray that and we trust you for it. And thank you, thank you, thank you that you are the God of all this. We can trust you for it, Lord, and rest in you because of your grace and your love. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace. Amen.